Are you ready for Christmas yet? Are you there? <laughs> You're like, no, please. Like, when is it? I don't know. Hey, hey, hey I, before I get into this sermon, some of you don't know the full scale of what's going on. So let me classify this. There are multiple locations of Fountain Springs Church and as many of you know, but you're not sure, there, one of them is the prison. One of them is on the east side of town near the fairgrounds. And one of them is west side near the Coca-Cola plant for those of you who love Coke. So here's the deal. You've heard now this push, this conversation about a, an offering at Christmas time. Some of us are like, someone's asking for more money. And, and I know, trust me, this is the real conversation. Now, I want you to know what's going on. Several years ago, we looked at Rapid City from the perspective of what are the greatest needs in Rapid City? Now, you may have had these conversations. Maybe you never have at your kitchen table where you're just curious. Maybe you've made simple observations and you've gone, you know, what are the greatest needs in my own town, my own area? Well, we looked. We had many questions, many conversations. We looked at many facts and statistics. And I can tell you one of the greatest needs in this Black Hills area is transportation. For many of you who have had a car break down and there isn't a great bus system to hop on, many of us are like, uh-huh, and you have to bum a ride off someone. In fact, here's what we've learned. You may not know this. There is a group of people, and it's a big group, that when their car breaks down, they start bumming rides off of people, giving them $20 here or there, and there's not a great system. And some of you are like, wait a minute, I thought we had a bus system. Well, it doesn't run for those who work second shift and third shift. And so one of the greatest needs in the Black Hills, if you don't know, this is transportation. So we started what's called the Shift Garage. Its whole heartbeat is to show people who Jesus is in the midst of some of immediate needs. It's exactly what Jesus did, right? Jesus walked out like, what's your immediate need? And, and he dealt with that. So we as a church have got to do that. So we started the Shift Garage and for years now. We've been repairing vehicles, giving vehicles away, and we've been pressing into the lives of people who need to know who Jesus is, who need to be reminded that God still does miracles through the church. And so I know many of you have never been in the shift shop and you've never worked on vehicles. Some of you never should. I never should. It should just be banned from many options for me. But you and I do have an opportunity to get involved in the lives of families that you and I don't know. Now, let me tell you a secret you may not know. The West location and the East location is there's, those are not the most generous locations. Our most generous location per capita is our prison location. And so when I say this, I know that the RCMU fellows are listening. And so the RCMU fellows are gonna give to this. I hope that you'll give to this. I hope you'll come to one of the Christmas services prepared and armed ready to give so that, and if you want a number, for those of you who are competitive and you like this, listen, our goal is to fully fund the Shift Garage for 2017, and that means $130,000. That will help us prepare and get ready to fix anything and everything that we need to. And so Katie and I have already begun to save. And I'm not going to be passive with you. I think you ought to do the same. Because I think a group our size can do this in a heartbeat. And so there, if you're wondering why we're talking about this, that's why we're talking about this. Because we're a church that believes anyone and everyone matters. And many of us would say and echo the idea that many of the times you want to know God most when you are in great need. And we serve a God that when we're in a great need, he cares. And so that's why we as a church have our own dealership. I know that sounds weird, but in South Dakota, you have to have that. So we actually welcome to a car dealership. 
You're sitting in one right now. I know it's weird, but no, we're pressing into the lives of people. I hope you'll be a part of this. You can go online and give. You, you can talk to any of the staff. You can go to the next steps there. You're like, hey, I want to be a part of this. Do this. If you're offended by the conversation, please do not be offended by our heart to help people. That's the heart of it. And so I hope you'll be a part of it because the RCMU fellows are, and we're going to have fun with this. So if you're ready to stop talking about money, which I imagine you are, let's get into this sermon. Now, first week we talked about control. Some of us have control issues. It's okay. Just settle in it. If you do have a control issue, by the way, there's a sermon online you need to now go watch. But if you were to ever write a letter, if you were to ever write a letter, I mean, I don't know what you've been asking Santa for or your spouse for or whoever for, maybe God for. And you've been writing, maybe you're asking him for money. Maybe you're asking him for, for hope. We talked about maybe you're asking him for control. I want to go at another adult letter. I think you'll resonate with this. If you were to write a letter to Santa, you might say, I want life just to be easier. <laughs> if, if I could just have... <laughs> One easy day. I don't know if you've ever like, God, please. Today is horrible. Can you make tomorrow just easier? Easier than it was yesterday. If you've ever had, I know some of you, you've never had a problem ever. And you're like, easy. And I know some of you, you're like, type A, you're like, I don't want an easy day, David. <clears throat> I think all of us in certain moments, if you're willing to be honest, and someone were to offer it to you, would you like tomorrow to be easier than yesterday? Most of us would be like, yes, please, yes, please. Where do I sign up? How much does that cost me? And some of us would think, when was life easier for you? Maybe it was when you were a kid. And if you're like, why was it so much easier when I was a kid? Because you didn't have bills. And, and you didn't have to provide food for anyone else. It just arrived to you. And someone even told you, come to the table and eat what I have prepared for you, and you got in trouble if you didn't go to the table. You ever think about this as adults? And things would just show up for you as a kid. Some of you are like, no, my, my childhood actually, David, was horrific. And, and you don't like reminiscing about that. But I do want you thinking about if you had to lock in on a time when life was easier. Just think in your head, when would that be? Now, I'm a guy, I'm a gadget guy. I don't know if any of you like gadgets. I just think they're fun. I think technology is a blast. So I, I, I figured there's some good up-and-coming new inventions that would make life easier. So for those of you who just have a difficult time in life, and right now you're, just, you're feeling hopeless, I have some inventions that I think will change your life. One is this. It's a stoplight. What if they looked like this? See, for those of you who are patient hippies, you're like, why, man? I like to sit there. Some of you, you check in, that's when you check your phone at the stoplight. But what if it was an hourglass? No, I was like, wait, but there's a countdown of how long people can walk and stuff. No, I want like, I want a, I want a clock that's just is in front of me, an hourglass. I'm going to watch it. Now, some of us would get mesmerized and we'd forget what we're doing. So maybe it's not the safest thing. I think that would make life a little easier. Here's one. For those of you who like ice cream, it appears as though they've invented locks. If this doesn't resonate with you, you, you live by yourself. Because some of us like to buy ice cream, not for other members of the family. It's straight up for me. And I know that we're supposed to share. I know that's even in the Bible, but I don't see how it relates to ice cream. I think ice cream, you can be self, I know I'm just joking, but there appears if you want, you, you can buy a lock. Some of you would just cut it off. Uh, here's another one for those of you who have earbuds. It appears as though they've made them where you can zip them up. Some of you are like, Oh my, 
I, I can't tell you where to get them. I just know that this has been invented. They, I, if, you, some, if you have earbuds and usually you put them away and they get all tangled, some of you are like, this, this is the most miraculous invention ever. Uh, for those of you who still dress up for work, I don't know if you've worn a tie lately, they now have made ties with microfiber lining inside of them. And you can clean your devices and your glasses. Brilliant! Someone's like, so you're, some of you are not even resonating. You're like, this is dumb. So, so think about this. The easy life. And sometimes it's inventions that make life easier. Sometimes it's people if they would just make life easier. But I think you and I have to press into this. And I, I think this is imperative as we talk about Christmas, as we talk about the coming of Jesus our Savior, as we talk about presents and trees and songs and all that, I wonder if some of us are just wishing for an easier day, that, that tomorrow would just go a little easier, that, that there would be a little, little bit more money in the bank account, that people would be a little bit nicer, that the job would get a little bit more fulfilling, that our kids would be a little bit better behaved, <laughs> that just the weather might get a little bit warmer, uh, I, I don't know. I wonder if you made a list. I think this would be curious if you were to make a list that what would make life easier for you. And the, the problem is that when you and I begin to hunt down the easy day, we begin to get postured for a, well, a type of life that doesn't exist. And I would argue it shouldn't exist. So I want to use this. I want to use the story. You and I call it the Christmas story. You and I call this the nativity scene. The first week I talked about Herod who didn't even make it into the scene. I do want to talk about Mary and Joseph. I want to talk about how I imagine they wanted a little bit of an easy life and then all of a sudden they got news and when you want to talk about a difficult day, I'm going to describe to you a difficult day. So Mary and Joseph, I don't know what you think about them, but they're a part, an integral part to the story. Let, let me show you a little bit about Joseph and the difficult day. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Engaged. Cue in on that. But before the marriage took place, before the marriage took place, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So watch this. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now I need to give you some historical understanding here. Now break the engagement, you need to know that he was literally pressing in to divorcing her. And now it seems we're like, wait a minute, David, I thought they were engaged. You need to know Jewish law. Jewish law worked this way. When you got engaged, it became legal. So I'm like, oh no, that's when we're just trying to figure things out. But Jewish law in that season of life, you had conversations with families and things like that. But when an engagement happened, there was documentation provided. And so Joseph and Mary, according to the courts, are on their way to becoming married. And the only way to break the engagement off was to be divorced. Imagine Joseph. Here's what I'm upset about. The Bible does not tell us how Mary broke the news to Joseph. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, honey, I think you need to sit down. We need to talk. Okay, sweetie pie. Hey, honey, I'm pregnant. 
Can you imagine Joseph's face? Partially going, who am I going to kill? Who's going to die? And then she begins to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever been told something that's a bit above your head in the sense that I don't understand what you're saying or, or it's beyond what you wanted to believe. But many of us, that's when your fists clench up and you're ready to go to battle, go to war. And this is getting intense. See, right now you're behaving like, oh, didn't they know it was Jesus? No, you got to understand. When Mary tells Joseph, it is so raw. It's so much to the point that, I, like I just read to you, Joseph's resolution to the news that Mary says is to divorce her, is to end the relationship. So here were his rights. I think this is interesting. His rights and what was normal was to have Mary brought to court. They're just engaged, but again, like I told you, it's legal. But here's how it works. According, she's pregnant. So in, in human terms, everyone assumes and presses in, there must have been an affair. So she would have had to go in front of what was called the Sanhedrin. Imagine Mary put into this courtroom full of people who are angry at her. In fact, if they can prove that she's had an affair, she will be killed on the spot. Joseph had the right. You want to talk about rights? Joseph had the right to put Mary in a court where she would be stoned to death because she's going to try to prove to everybody that this is of the Holy Spirit. But I told you, I read it to you. He doesn't do that, right? You saw that. I read it to you. He doesn't put her in front of all these legal people and say, stone her and kill her. He, he loves her. Come on, right? He, he's genuinely in love with her. And so when he receives news that his fiance is having a kid and it's not his kid, it does not change that he loves her. So here's what he does. He resolves that he's going to have two witnesses. This is according to Jewish law. Two witnesses would take a piece of paper to her home quietly, knock on the door, go in, and it would be a bill of divorce that she would then sign, and quietly no one would really know about things, and things would be broken, no longer would they be bound together. And that's what Joseph had resolved to do. When you think about life being easier, my guess is Joseph had a, had a bit of a time going, are you kidding me? I mean, if you don't know much about history of this time going on, he, he's hoping to have a, a quiet life. They were known as a bit rural people. I mean, I come from Kansas. I get this, right? And, and they wanted quiet. They wanted gravel roads, no one making noise. The loudest thing is a bird, maybe. And all of a sudden, he hears about this. And you want to talk about a difficult day. That's a difficult day. But I'm not just harping on Joseph. Mary got the news, too. I'll show where Mary got the news. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. I mean, how weird is this? He's looking at me like, oh yeah, that happens to me. No, it doesn't happen to you all the time. The Lord is with you. I mean, Gabriel, if you don't know like the hierarchy of angels, you're like, oh my. Confused and disturbed. You better, you better believe it. I love how the writer's like so eloquently. She was confused and disturbed. I bet she screamed. I don't know. Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. <laughs> Well, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, I know that sounds so beautiful, <laughs> But put yourself in the situation. Hey, 
So that quiet rural life you wanted, not going to get it. We need you to raise the Messiah. See, some of you feel pressure right now as parents. You're like, did they do their homework last night? I mean, you're worried as a parent. I mean, come on, you should meet parents nowadays. We hover like crazy. We're, we've got problems. Can you imagine Mary getting news, one from an angel, which will weird you out, and then saying, hey, I know you wanted the quiet life, but we're going to need you, as in we, as in God, as in heaven, is going to need you to raise the Savior of the world. You want to talk about a difficult day? I know that we're supposed to be like, oh, isn't that so sweet? Can you imagine the pressure? Ladies, can you imagine? The in, like, did you do the right thing? Well, if you did it, it better have been the right thing, because, I mean, that's the Messiah. Whatever he says is right, and... Uh, it presses in. And I think you and I can understand that when I talk about Mary and Joseph, you need to know that they did not have an easy life. A lot of times when you and I, we look at the nativity scene, you're like, oh, sweet Mary and Joseph. You need to know that they got their life interrupted. You've had your life interrupted, I imagine. Maybe by news that was good or bad. But I think all of us resonate with the fact that we've had life interrupted with uncomfortable news. In fact, it's led us to this discontent in life. I don't know if you've ever been discontent. My, my guess is you've been there. You know what it feels like. Have you ever had a situation, a circumstance? You're like, I don't like that. Or, or just discontent with the situation or how people were reacting. See, if you're in discontent right now, and listen very closely. If you're in discontent, you have a problem. I'll show it to you. When we're discontent, our desires start to get a lot of attention. If you're discontent right now, about anything really, income, relationships, where you live, what's going on, if you're discontent, we are built to begin to think about what we want. And many of us right now are consumed by what we desire. Have you thought about this? Some of the stuff that right now just goes through your brain all the time, what you want, what you want, what you want, what you desire, what you crave for. Many of us do that. So, so I'll ask you, because that's how we like to do this. I'm going to ask you, what do you desire the most? Don't answer this out loud. Some of you will get embarrassed. Don't. Uh, but what do you desire the most? Think about Mary and Joseph. They had hopes and dreams, right? Hopes and dreams of probably a quiet life, raising up a family, all that, getting married. This is going to be sweet and wonderful. What do you desire the most? What do you want the absolute most? Maybe you've got a list. Uh, it made me think about a time in my life that I was craving something. I graduated college. And, and I started to be a youth pastor. And one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to learn to play the guitar. I was single at the time, and there may have been a bit of selfish motivation. I was like, the ladies would like the guitar, okay? So I, I wanted to get a guitar, and I wanted to learn this and be good at this and woo everybody. I, just being very open with you. So I began to study. What's a good guitar? I knew nothing, absolutely zero. I did not do any kind of music ever in my life. And I locked on to a company called Taylor Guitars. Taylor Guitars is located in the San Diego area, and they are notorious for having incredible guitars. And so I went and visited Taylor Guitars. And I began to, I found out the guitar I wanted, and I began to lock on to this idea of this dream guitar, and I began to save up. Now, you want to know the significance of saving up? At that time, I was making a whopping $25,000 a year, and that included all benefits. In other words, I had no benefits, and I had school loans coming in. It was a great time, and uh, I'm trying to figure out how to just, well, eat, so I locked on to macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, and I would alternate them. I don't know if you've ever done this, if you know what I'm talking about. 
One meal I'd have hot dogs, the next meal I'd have mac and cheese, and then I'd combine them for the third meal. It's creativity. And that's what I ate on for months. So that I could buy a Taylor guitar specifically, the 814, it was beautiful. Some of you, you don't know guitars, and you're like, that just looks like a normal guitar. I don't, I don't. You need to know, this is amazing. And I changed all of my spending habits. I changed how I ate. I changed everything because I wanted that guitar. So I ordered the guitar. I got the guitar and I learned to play the guitar. I hung the guitar up in my bedroom. I stared at the guitar. It was one of those moments, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you sacrificed and you got what you wanted and it was the greatest 15 minutes of your life, right? I think many of us understand this, wanting something so badly that you'll do anything for it. This desire that seems to be unlimited for whatever it is. There's a philosopher that went at this. He says, we are limited in every way but one. We have unlimited desire. I thought there might be some amens because you're like, "Uh uh-huh, now I understand. I, I agree with him that you and I have this ability to want like nothing else. This desire that, if not managed, can get out of control. That's why some of you, you can't drive through a car lot until it's time to buy a vehicle because you'll buy it when you go through the car lot. Some of you can't shop online. You can't go to the mall anymore. You can't do anything because you'll go out of control. See, these desires that just go and go and, and go. And I hope you're beginning to connect the dots. See, about a desire, our unlimited desire for more is actually not an accident. Maybe you grew up thinking like, oh yeah, no, I know David, I, I want more and I know it's bad and God hates me for it and, and I want this and that and this and that and, and I have these cravings. I, our unlimited desire for more is not an accident. In fact, I'll tell you the theology behind it. Our unlimited desire is equal to God's capacity to give. If that doesn't make sense to you, think about this. God's ability to give to you is linked to your cravings. In fact, let's boil this down. Let's make this simple. Our desires were meant to point us to God. When you think about this, some of you are like, but, but, but David, David, no, no, no. If you're thinking about this in a negative sense or a sinful way or a bad way, it's because sometimes we satisfy our desires in ways we shouldn't. But I'm going at the core of your desires, the core of what you want. I would say at the core of your desires, it's something designed to help you look at God, to pay attention to God. If this doesn't make sense, that means that our natural desires are meant to draw us to God. But we live in a world that's messed up. And there's a devil that has manipulated a bunch of stuff to trick you. And I'm going, oh, you want this? Here's a way to satisfy it. And it's led you to this empty feeling. So many of us have grown up thinking it's our desires that are the problem. You've grown up going, I shouldn't desire this. I shouldn't want this. And, and my desires are there. Ah. No, no, listen, listen. Our problem is not desire. It's emptiness. Your problems are not your desire. See, it's when you are empty. It's when you're living life on empty that everything changes for you. And we begin to fight our desires when we should actually go at our emptiness. In fact, 
let me give you the philosophical approach to this. Running on empty makes us crave what is easy. See, some of us now know where I'm going with this. I ask you, what do you desire the most? What are you craving? What do you think about, whether you're in private or in public? What I'm trying to get at is perhaps the things that you are craving and the ways that you're satisfying your desires are because you are running on empty. Perhaps you crave an easy day because you're empty and you're like, I've got no more to give. I believe, including myself, there are more people trying to live life on empty than ever before. In a group this size, you have to believe that there are tons of us who are at the end. We have no more fuel. And so we just live and function, and then all of a sudden, temptation comes by and says, hey, won't you satisfy that desire this way? And we begin to dig ourselves even deeper holes. Running on empty makes us crave what is easy. Maybe that's you. So let me take you back, because I think you and I can learn something from Mary and Joseph. Let me take you back to the story of Mary and Joseph as we begin to press into how they reacted to the difficult, to the, to the difficult kind of life. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Don't, don't get disconnected. As he considered divorcing her, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to make Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're in the name of Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, some of you are skeptical. You're like, well, of course I would make good decisions if angels visited me and told me what to do. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever like, well, yeah, sure, the Bible sounds nice and neat, and we got Joseph, we got some bad news or some rough news. Life's not gonna go his way, but then an angel shows up and says, here's what you gotta do. And we get a bit disconnected from the story. Some of us look at the story and be like, that's not fair, I want that. Can I have angels show up and just kind of outline my day? And boy, that would be nice. But see, like I said, you're disconnected. You've forgotten that God has given us a Bible. A Bible, and I will harp on this week after week. A Bible full of stories and wisdom and guidance on how to live life. If you don't know this about the Bible, the Bible is full of details on how to parent, how to be single, how to be married, how to run a business, how to be healthy. It's full of this. You just have to press into it. I know many of us are desperate for angels, but you got to know God's perspective. He's like, but I left you a manual. You don't need an angel. So before you disconnect from the story, I'm like, that's unfair. No, you know what's unfair? is that Joseph didn't have the Bible. He didn't have the Bible that you and I have. He didn't have all those details. He had the Old Testament as you and I know. He didn't have the beauty of what we learn about Jesus. So here's his reaction. When Joseph woke up, <laughs> he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Now, now Mary was a bit more eloquent regarding the difficult news I'll show this to you. This is, this is Mary. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then she writes a song. I don't know. Some of you creatives are like, that's a good idea. She writes a song. Let me show you a portion of the song. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Here's what I'm getting at regarding your cravings, regarding what you want in life, regarding how to not 
walk life on empty. Joseph and Mary chose God's way over their way. Just a simple observation, but I think it helps you and I. If you're living on empty right now, if you're going, David, I got nothing else. I just need an easy day. If God would just give me one day to recoup, if God would just give me whatever, I'll be so much better. But listen, Joseph and Mary didn't press him to the details of give us this. Are you going to make sure that you pay his way? Are you going to make sure that you provide the right people? Are you going to make, no, no, no. They just chose God's way over their way. So because I'm a preacher, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to be corny. It's my job. It's, it's in my job description. So let me show you whose way will lead your day. For those of you who are desperate for an easier life, for those of you who have been craving that and even praying that and considering writing Santa about it, for those of you who are running on empty in a way you're going, my desires are becoming so loud to me. I don't want to give in to certain things and I know I'm not supposed to give in. I want to live life the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to ask you, whose way are you going to choose? Because if you're running on empty, if you crave the easier life, I'll press into your life very gently. I think you're craving your way, not necessarily God's. Now, by the way, uh, Jesus knew that you and I would have a problem with this. Yes. <laughs> I'll show you. Uh, if This will be very fresh to many of you. Uh, you remember this prayer? May your kingdom come soon. May your will, <laughs> may, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now some of us are like, yes, David, that's the right way to pray, and daily I'm gonna to need to pray this, but my guess is there is a portion of us who are craving easier because we're living on empty, are praying a different way. May my will be done on earth. May my will be done on earth. Is it you maybe? Have you pressed into a lifestyle where if, if God would just give you that one thing that you wanted, you'd finally, you'd finally start living life the way you're supposed to? See, I'm going to tell you, who you choose to live for in life is a big deal. Let me bring you back to the guitar story. I don't own the guitar anymore. And it's not because I was a horrible player of a guitar, which I was. You see, there came a moment that I was about to go talk to a girl named Katie, and I was going to ask her to marry me. And if you don't know the rules in the game regarding that, the dude has to go spring for some diamonds. And like I told you, you, you know what I was making, and you're like, where'd you get that money? I had to go to my parents. You do not understand how painful it is to even admit that in public. I had to go to my parents and be like, hey, so I love her, but I'm going to need your help. And I borrowed some, some cash from my parents, and it made me nauseous. Because I was like, I love her. I will do anything for her. I got to come up with some cash. I went home, and I saw the guitar hanging on the wall. That guitar I could sell. So, in those days, it was very simple. eBay. 
And I put my prized possession that I saved so much for on eBay. And I was even mad that it sold so quickly. (laughs) I'll never forget boxing it up and mailing it. In theory, I'm supposed to be, she's so wonderful. Not talking about the guitar, about Katie. And I'm... (laughs) And I sent the guitar off. And I had no realization at that moment how powerful this would be for me in my life. Where you choose someone else over yourself. See, at the time, I hadn't done much of that. You remember the younger life, where the younger life is all about you. And there was this moment for me where I took something that was not wrong, not bad, not horrible. And in order to get something great, I had to give something good up. It's very similar in life when you and I press into the empty life. If you're empty, my guess is you're at a decision moment where you're gonna choose who's most important. You're gonna press in and decide whose way you're gonna choose. Now, for some of us, it is a simple romantic relationship where you you make that option, but I'm talking to you about you and God, where Jesus said, you're gonna need help, and so I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray every day, and in this prayer, you're gonna have to ask me to intervene daily to make sure that God's will is done, not our own. And I will tell you, our marriage has thrived because Katie and I have this in our marriage where we choose each other over and over and over and over and over again. But the relationship that's more important is where you choose God's will over and over and over and over again. Mary and Joseph staring at a new life that they did not choose. Joseph has to deal with the shame of having a pregnant fiance that's not his kid. Mary has to deal with my hopes and dreams of the kind of wedding that I thought I would have, the dress that I was gonna wear, not an option anymore. But what they chose was not their will, but God's will. If you're on empty right now, my guess is you've backed off of God's will and you've been all about your will. My encouragement to you is to look at every single day as an opportunity. Better yet, every single moment from the moment you wake up As you get up and as you function throughout your day, what if you were to start asking a new question? God, what's your will about this? God, what's your will about this? And I'm gonna tell you something about God. He will make it crystal clear. Church, listen. This is not a religious thing. This is how life was meant to be. That you and I are supposed to pursue God's will. And when you do, you will live the full life that Jesus promised. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for this moment for whoever is listening, even those online, for the fellows at RCMU, for the folks at East and at West. 
God, I got to be real open with you. I got multiple days where I was all about what I wanted. I'm sorry. I bet others feel the same. So God, right now, I, I apologize, even on behalf of our whole church, for choosing our way over your way. We submit ourselves to your will. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe some of you have ever, never turned your life over to God. You've never actually chosen his way over your way. It's, it's a brand new thing. And maybe you're ready now. So if you're ready to turn your life over to God, you've, you didn't grow up this way, but you're ready to choose his will. Uh, you can copy my words, but I just say you should pray this to God silently. God, I choose your way today. I turn my life over to you. God, I accept forgiveness of my sins. And I, I believe today that your way is the best way. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning about you, following you, and even showing others who you are. I give you my life, God, and I choose your way. God, I pray for all of us. May you walk us through the moments that were so selfish and bring us to moments that were consumed by your will. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.